Good evening, everyone. It's time for Necromaniacs. This week, it's me and Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing okay, man. Summer is in full swing, which is it kind sure of cool. sure is. You know, it's like 90 degrees today. Uh, I really? Not, yeah. Yeah, man. Out here on the East Coast, it's about 90 degrees. And um, fortunately, fortunately, my, my um, AC got fixed because I didn't have air conditioning for about two weeks. Oh, fuck that, dude. Um, we have air conditioning in one room, in the, in the living room. And my room is in the very back of the apartment, so really it does fucking nothing for me. So I got, like, four fans going at, like, all times back here. And every morning I wake up, like, stuffy, my eyes hurt. <laughs> 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 you know, like, it, it, it kind of sucks. Like, um, if, if you don't have AC and, like, I don't know about you, man, but, like, when it's hot, I don't sleep well. Like toss and turn, and like have bad dreams. Yeah, I definitely sleep better when I'm cool. You know what I mean. And and um, it's funny. Like my my entire youth was spent with no AC, and uh, I remember summertime wow. suffering and not being able to sleep well and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, man. Like my ideal temperature is like for an apartment is like sixty degrees. That's like, a little cool, I, I like man. it. It's yeah, kind of I like it cold, man. Yeah, I, I I like that. I like being under blankets or like wearing like, you know, lounging around with sweatpants or something. I don't like sitting like sitting watching TV sweating in my underwear like a fucking piece of shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, nah, I hear you, man. There was like, luckily when when I, my AC was out, the weather was pretty temperate over here, so it wasn't so bad. Nice. But you know, there was a couple of days, and uh, yeah, it took him like two weeks to fix the fucking thing, but now I'm all set, which is good. Yeah. That's- this isn't even though LA gets like, oh, by the time August rolls around, you know, when it's like 100, 110, like, you know, I'll be wishing for days like today where it's like 85, 86 or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's nice, you know, I never have to deal with winter. So, you know, whatever. Fair trade off. I think winter is like the mightiest season of the year, in my opinion, man. I love winter. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, man. Uh, last time I went home, you know, I saw you. What was that, like a month ago or so? Yeah. Uh, I'm always like, man, I really miss it here. I could totally live here. But I'm like, oh, wait, it's it's fall. It's kind of rainy. It's a little, little bit cold. It's the stuff I like. Like, I can't deal with the humidity and or, like, you know, when November rolls around, when it starts to get really cold, it starts to snow. Like, I can't deal with that shit anymore, man. It's been way too long. I like that stuff. All right. <laughs> so, I like it for like an hour, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, kinda, I definitely lean into the when it's wintertime and it's dark all the time. It's, I don't know. I kind of think it's cool. You know? I think when the snow for, is falling and like, and when it's done, you look out the window, everything looks real pretty. And then like the next day where everything's just like this big fucking slushy, uh, I, I hate it. Yeah. Luckily, due to global warming, we don't get uh, very brutal winters anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There's that. Eventually, uh, the 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 level of the sea will rise and engulf all the coastal cities. So. Yeah, and we'll we'll all be dead. Yeah. We'll be living in a a Mad Max like post apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one can only hope. Yeah. So, what have you been checking out lately, as far as like films, books, movies, whatever? You know, music. Um. Well, a bunch of stuff, kind of really. Like I think I mentioned this last time I talked to you about how HBO Max, the uh, 
you know, to theater and to streaming, all those movies have been pretty bad. And uh, they continued to be bad with The Conjuring 3. I checked that out. And, uh, you know, I don't know. How, how do you feel about The Conjuring movies? I haven't seen any of them, actually. Wow. I just kind of dismissed it, to be honest. And maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, a lot of the kind of big Hollywood horror films, unless it's like some specific reason why I should check it out, I kind of forego those. I mean, like, for example, Spiral came out. I have no interest in seeing it. I saw that, too. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll start with The Conjuring. Like, those first two movies, like, they're okay. I I understand their appeal to a mass audience. Nothing really too bad happens, and they got a bunch of jump scares. But uh, James Wan just indulges his worst tendencies some, sometimes, just mm-hmm. tanks his own movies. And like, so there's parts of the first two Conjuring movies I like, but as a whole, like I'm just like, yeah, it's, it, it's okay. This one had a new director, and I mean, I never thought I would say, God, I miss James Wan. <laughs> like this, it was, it was it was pretty shitty. I mean, there's not really much more I can say about it other than it's just kind of a generic. Uh, you know, the horror film. I actually fell asleep, which is something I rarely do when I'm watching a movie. And uh, you mentioned Spiral. I I, I rented that as well. You know, I thought Chris Rock coming up with a concept for a Saw movie really interests me. You know, I think Chris Rock's a... um, I like him. I find him funny. You know, he's an introspective, smart comedian. Interesting guy. I was like, well, you know, this is... and he wants to do a Saw movie of uh, those. I mean, I haven't enjoyed any of those fucking movies. I think they've all been terrible. Uh, and this one might be the worst one out of, out of all the ones I've seen. I think I've seen like six total. And this one was really, really bad. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like those movies. Like, I I like the first one, okay, and um, I actually di- digitally I have the entire series except for the new one, and, ah, okay. and um, like I, I, going into maybe going into those films and uh, assuming that they're not going to be great, I I enjoy them in like a mm. kind of in a kind of new metal way, you know what I mean? Where it's like yeah, it's funny you say that. I was <laughs> watching the new one. I was like, it felt like I was watching a Slipknot video. Yeah, it's like the same kind of thing. Where like Slipknot is not a band that I necessarily uh, like. I don't own any of their records, right? But I do think that they're a good band. And on tour, when we're driving in the middle of the night, sometimes I'll put a Slipknot record on, you know, on like Spotify or whatever Apple Music, just to listen to you while to stay awake, you know. And uh, yeah, you like. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind. Of, you know, it's like I'm not. I'm not ashamed that in that. Like I, I'm comfortable enough that I can say that I, I appreciate some of their music. And I think the Saw films are similar to that. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like I can fuck with Slipknot, but I will never listen to Disturbed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's I, like I think... that. That's the kind of vibe with the with the Saw films. You know. Sure. I think one of the Saw movies has a singer for Lincoln Park in it. I can't remember which one, but I was like, you know, that that's perfect. <laughs> that's a perfect band for the Saw movies. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I can't say I was disappointed because I really didn't expect to like it. I just thought Chris Rock's involvement would, would elevate because I guess this, this was his idea to, to do this. This was, you know, the, his uh, story, I guess. Um, pretty fucking terrible. 
Well, that's a bummer because I, I, I was planning on watching it. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a long time Chris Rock fan. I mean, I, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's great. definitely, he's of, you know, my generation, you know what I mean? He's a guy that yeah. like, I grew up enjoying his work, you know? And, um, I was waiting for this to show up like streaming somewhere for free, you know, like be it, you know, one of these other services out there rather than renting it. Cause I did have a feeling that I would probably, probably be disappointed. So that's why I, I, I didn't see it yet. You know? Well, I think you should see it because I just really would love to hear your opinion about it. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 uh, I've actually, I rolled my ankle, so I'm kind of like in the house. Can't really do much right now. So I should probably, uh, maybe I should, maybe I'll rent it tonight. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I hurt my back a couple of weeks ago. I think we talked about it up on the last podcast yeah. and, uh, I was, I was spending a lot of time in bed, which is why I watched so much stuff. Speaking of, Revived properties. I watched Creep Show season two and the animated special. Ah. Uh, have you seen any of the Creep Show TV series on Shutter? I saw the first season. I saw the animated special, which was that Stephen King uh, adaptation. I think of uh, yeah, one of his better stories. Yeah, Survivor type. Yep. And I saw the, some of the second season, but not all of it. And the mm. second season, I wasn't that into, really. Uh, I thought the second season was a slight improvement on the first season. Like, there's actually an episode of it that I liked. Uh, I think it was called The Right Snuff. It was like a sci-fi-y kind of vibe. Uh, very Twilight Zone-y. That, that, that was my problem with Creep. It doesn't feel like Creep Show. It feels more like the, the Twilight Zone or something. Just call it something else, and I might like it better, you know? Yeah. But uh, the animated uh, special, I liked a lot. I thought it really captured the disturbing nature of King's story. And uh, you know, his son, Joe Hill, wrote the, the, the second story. It was based on something he wrote where it was all compi- uh, comprised of someone's tweets. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I thought at first like, I was like, this is stupid. But I was pretty into it by the end of it. I really enjoyed that episode a lot. And, kind of just wished i was like creep show should do more stuff like this of this nature where it's like you know disturbing and you know mildly comedic um but i just don't know what it is about that series it just doesn't connect with me something about it just falls completely flat like it just just not into it i i really like the special um i'm, I'm yeah i mean in, in, my intention is to finish watching the second season uh but there's so far i, I i'm like lukewarm I'm not, I don't dislike it. I'm just like not blown away by it. Yeah. Those yeah, are probably I, uh, a chance. Yeah. The, the two short stories that they base the uh, special on are like, I mean, that's like some of my favorite stuff that those guys have written, you know? Yeah. That's, it's great stuff. And there was an episode that wasn't aired because uh, it starred Marilyn Manson and who has been uh, recently canceled. <laughs> oh God. Oh, um, you know, I don't know, man. Like I don't, I think Marilyn Manson is probably guilty of what he's being accused yeah, of. I mean, I, definitely. I mean, there's, I mean, just stories you hear and, you know, I don't have any personal experiences with him, but I know some people that do. And it just sounds like all around, like he's not a good dude, but at the same time, like, you know, not airing that episode, you're not really hurting him. You're hurting. I mean, there's so many people worked on that show, you know, some someone wrote that episode, you know, and, and no one's ever going to get to see it. It just kind of sucks. Like I, 
maybe you can air it and let people make their decision whether they want to watch it or not. That's like my take on it too, because um, I mean, but I mean, number one, the real problem is that all 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 anyone needs to do these days is accuse you of something, you know. Mm. And I'm not I'm not sticking up for Marilyn Manson. Like I right right. You know I don't I don't even know what the problem. What, what was he accused of? Uh, you know, it's like yeah, some horrible allegations of abuse and things like that, like mental, physical, um, by multiple people and. I mean, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no reason to not believe it, but I also, who knows? Like, I, I have, let's put it sure. this way. I want to say this. You know, I, I have a lot of responsibilities in my life, okay? Now, I, mm -hmm. one of them is not staying up on who's, you know, who pulled his dick out and, like, you know, who, right. who like, inappropriately touched someone else. Like, that's not what I follow on a day-to-day -day basis you know what i mean so sure. so i'm not i'm not <laughs> always aware of like what some of these people do you know but um right but i mean like you were saying there was like a whole crew of people that worked on this there was like you know the writers the screenwriters the directors the cameramen you know the other actors that are involved in this in this production so yeah. they, they have to suffer because like it should be up to the individual to decide whether or not they want to support it, you know, and they can, I just think that it like this cancel cancellations eliminates any, any dialogue that people can have about things. Yeah. You know? It's just I mean, like, it's like a very narcissistic take on stuff, you know? Well, we just talked about a movie, uh, you know, a few weeks back, Army of the Dead that had a whole actor uh, replaced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I was like, these are just accusations. Again, he's probably guilty. I believe he probably did everything he's accused of. But at the same time, in that situation, I'm like, what do you do? Like, if this movie comes out with this guy in it, that's the only fucking thing anyone is going to talk about. You know, it's not like a, a story in an anthology series. It's its own standalone film. And, like, it's just going to get destroyed if they, if they keep this guy in it. So I understand why they made that decision. But... I don't know. I, I think it's a problem with our society, really, man. It's not, you know, it's like, so now now what? All of Ma Marilyn Manson's, like, film appearances and music are all going to be taken down, you know? Yeah, like, who, who Like, uh, Lost who Highway, Lost Highway by David Lynch, which is, like, my favorite David Lynch movie is going to be, you can't watch that now because Marilyn Manson was in it. And he's in it for, like, what, like, seconds? <laughs> yeah, he's <in> like, <laughs> like, yeah. I just it's think the same thing. Like, can you go and enjoy Woody Allen movies? I mean, Roman Polanski, all these people. Like, can you read Poe's work, uh, Lovecraft's work? Like, you know, if you just shut everything down, eventually, like, there's going to be nothing but this this one train of thought that you can believe. Well, and that also goes in line with like, you know, book burning and what the Nazis did and what the Russians did and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, the um, you know, the National Socialist Movement in Germany was like this kind of secularization of Germany, and they shut down anything that had to do with religion and all these things. And they were controlling what people thought about, obviously, you know. And and um, it just, the whole thing has a fascist ring to it, like this Orwellian feel, you know. And, and the worst part about it is that it's come, it's not a legislative thing. It's a social aspect of our society that is driving these decisions you know 
and and it's it's like this very very troubling trend that I, I hope that people are able to rationally analyze the situation and 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 correct the course you know because I think like you were saying eventually you're just gonna have like one homogenous warm cuddly place where people can meet and exchange and not exchange ideas but just have this uniform thought you know and I don't I don't I, don't, I, I am a hundred percent against something like that yeah I think it's a mostly an online thing I've never had a conversation with a person in person where it gets like so heated right away and saying you're this you're that you know like usually a lot more a gray area, more nuisance to it. But like, you know, there's, there's this, you know, people communicating on Twitter, they got to squeeze everything in into like however many, I don't know, however many characters you're allowed to, to fucking tweet. Uh, and I think that's a big part of the problem. Yeah, I don't fuck with Twitter, man. It's like I have yeah. Twitter accounts and, you know, stuff like automatically posts there, but I don't, it's just literally for promotion. Like I don't interact with anyone on Twitter. I never read anyone. I don't even go, I don't even have the app on my phone. I haven't logged in officially in, you know, probably years. So yeah, it's I, just a fucking cesspool of like just weakness and bullshit, in my opinion. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you there. I mean, it, it sucks. Social media sucks. I mean, it was a good idea, but it was a good ex experiment, but it's failed. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. I mean, I mean, social media in general is like very, very, I just don't think as our, our, our species has evolved to a point where we can actually deal with this type of inter information exchange. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, you best to just stay away from it. And I've been trying to, and uh, it, it's forced me to uh, read more. I've been rereading um, uh, Skeleton Crew. No, no, not Skeleton Crew. Um, yeah, Skeleton Crew, uh, Stephen King. Stephen King, nice, man. That's a good one. Yeah, I've kind of been enjoying uh, his work lately. I, I, I read his stuff a lot as a kid, and I think it, it, it shapes a, of who I am. You know, I have my fascination with horror and stuff. Like, Stephen King's easy to read, so, like, I, I, a lot of people my age, like, really got into him. Like, that was probably around, you know, 9 or 10. And it's fun to go back and revisit these things as, a, as an adult and to find out that they still disturb me. Like, the, the story of The Raft is still more horrifying to read than, than it is to watch in Creepshow 2. I, I always have backed Stephen King. He also was my, um, my true, like, introduction into, into horror, like, literature. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I read Lovecraft, like, a little bit before Stephen King, but I can't say that at that age I was quite ready for, um, you know, I couldn't quite appreciate it, I think, at that point in my life as much as oh, I yeah, appreciate it. Oh, yeah, not Stephen an easy King. read at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I discovered Lovecraft through King from his story. I think it was uh, in Nightmares and Dream States called uh, Crouch End. Yeah. And yep. it was pretty much a, a love letter to, to, to Lovecraft. And, uh, of course, you know, the Evil Dead with the Necronomicon. Like, that that's a Lovecraft invention, you know, Yep. I believe. Um, but, yeah, it mostly came from, from Stephen King. Like, like you know, I, so it's, I tried to get into him when I was like, a teenager and I was, it was just so dense and tough to read. I was like, not that into it, but you know, my twenties, early twenties, I, I, I could digest it much, much more easily. Yeah. This actually the new, there's a newer uh, novel by Stephen King called revival. That's uh Oh yeah. Very, I, I, I bought that. Yeah. You should read it, man. If you, if you, um, 
it's it's definite. If it's like the same way Crouch is Crouch End is like a uh, Lovecraftian nod. This is like a very heavy lean into the the cosmic horror world, you know. And, and I, I think they're making a film out of it, from what I've read somewhere. Yeah, I think they were, and that guy Mike Flanagan was going to direct it, who did uh, Doctor Sleep and uh, Oculus, and uh, he did another King uh, at. Uh, Gerald's Game. Yeah, Gerald's Game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was great. I yeah. never thought that could be turned into a film, and he really he cracked that one. Um, but I, I guess he's not involved in it. I guess the project kind of fell apart, from what I remember reading, uh, which is which is too bad. Uh, that guy seems to have really gotten, you know, how to make a great Stephen King adaptation. Him and Frank Darabont and Rob Reiner somehow, <laughs> the only three guys who have figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's 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 a bummer. I was kind of looking forward to something like that coming out. You know, it'll it'll probably happen someday. You know, maybe like ten years down the line, it'll it'll get picked up again. But uh, you know, it, it came heavily recommended from a lot of people. I've been saying that Stephen King's later work has been pretty bad, and everyone kind of points to that as being like a, a return to form for him. So yeah. To speak. He actually ends it really well, too, which is like one of the biggest criticisms people have of his work is that he doesn't write good endings. Yeah, I would agree with that. This one's got a super bleak ending. So and, and but but it's like well done, though. It's not just you know cool. bleak for the sake of being bleak, but it was it's just a well done ending. Well crafted, you know. Yeah, I think his short stories end really well. Short stories like horror works really well in that form. You don't have to explain anything. You can end ambiguous and people aren't upset when you stretch it out to like four or 500 pages, you know, you really got to explain everything and, and, and uh, have an ending. And it's, I don't think that's ever really been King's strong point. Anything past, you know, Salem's lot or Christine, I, I don't remember the order those books came out in. Yeah, I agree. I think the short story format is definitely more suited for horror fiction. I mean, some of my favorite writers have only written short stories like Lovecraft yeah. and Edgar Allan Poe, um, you know, Thomas Ligotti. Yeah. It's yeah. all short stories. Yeah. It, wor- it just works so much better, but, uh, I've been babbling, man. What have you been, what have you been watching? What have you been doing? Uh, last couple things I really liked, uh, I actually saw both of them on shutter. Uh, one's mm. called the conspiracy. And uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, if you guys paid attention, I, it was one of my uh, staff picks of the week. And uh, it came out like, uh, like almost 10 years ago, actually. I thought it was relatively new, but it was like from 2013. Mm. And um, yeah, it's uh, a mockumentary. And those are hard to pull off. Uh, both you and I like uh, Lake Mungo. And that's a mockumentary. Loved it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's kind of like, I would say, quality-wise, like up in that realm. I think you didn't you say you saw this movie too? Yeah, I saw it a while ago. Yeah, probably yeah, about what probably when it came out and uh kind of forgot about it until you mentioned it the other day. And I was like, oh yeah, that was good. I remember liking that. Yeah, it's it's about you know, as you can guess, you know, conspiracy theories and like secret societies and uh this like exploration into these guys are making a documentary. They have like a subject that they're interviewing. This guy disappears and it goes from there. And it also touches on a bunch of like really cool um, occult stuff that uh, I was, I was, I'd been reading about, you know, a few years ago. And it kind of ties it into the storyline. 
And um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I thought it was really good. And I think you and I kind of loosely discussed maybe covering this movie at some point. Yeah, we should. I'd, I'd really like to revisit that one. And now that it's on Shutter, it'll, it'll be easy to do so. Yeah, so that's on Shutter. And then um, another film that uh, Rennie from Starkweather recommended to me that he actually didn't like, <laughs> but he was like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you should check this out. So I was like, all right, uh, cli- <laughs> it's a climate of the hunter. And um, yeah, you you mentioned that one as well. I have not seen that. I, I actually dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. It's a offbeat take on the the vampire genre. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, right. it's got a little bit of an ambiguous ending, which I thought was cool. It could be debated, you know, what actually happens. And it's, um, I, 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 and I understand not everyone agrees with me on this, but I, I kind of like these like dialogue heavy mo- movies, you know, and um, this one that definitely can, can be good. Yeah, this one's definitely dialogue heavy. There's a lot of, you know, people talking and discussions and descriptions and people referring back to stories and things like that which and maybe maybe it's because i i really enjoy reading horror uh, that this it feels like i'm actually reading a story as opposed to watching a film um and maybe this film was probably made this way because of the budget i know that a lot of times when there's like budgetary constraints uh the filmmakers often rely on exposition and dialogue Mm. to tell the story so uh but it's also just, it has a campiness to it that reminds me of Dark Shadows sometimes. You know, have you ever checked that oh, out? Oh, God, yeah, a long, long, long time ago. It's, it's been a while. Yeah. Not, not the Tim Burton movie, of course, right? You're talking about the show. I'm talking about the original one that came out, the yeah. black and white on shot on video, like weirdo, weirdos TV series. Yeah, what, what was that? 70s, 80s? I, I don't quite remember. I would say it's the 70s, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it has a little bit of that. There's like a campiness to it, like almost like a soap opera feel at times. Um, it's very tongue in cheek. There's uh, some dark humor. Um, very quirky movie. Probably not for everybody, but uh, I back it. I thought it was cool. Um, it's on Shudder. So if you got Shudder, it doesn't cost you anything. And uh, I thought it was well worth checking out, man. So that was, that was another, another hot pick from the week. Well, yeah, you sold me on it. That sounds right up my alley. I'm definitely, definitely going to check that out. Um, it's funny you say that. The movie we're going to discuss in a few minutes is also very dialogue heavy. That's right. So, this week's episode, we're talking about In the Earth. And, um, yeah, it's uh, by Ben Wheatley, who, um, mm. you know, I know that's one of your, you, you really dig this guy's work. And um, I, li- I like Kill List. I think Kill List was great. Yeah, I, he's an interesting filmmaker. Like he keeps throwing curveballs. He he came out the gate with uh, Down Terrace, sort of this darkly comedic crime movie, and then Kill List, which, I mean, I think that movie is an absolute masterpiece, one of the best horror films ever made. And he's kind of gone in a bunch of different directions since then. You know, some good, some bad. You know, he made an experimental field in England, which I I enjoyed. Uh, he made kind of a comedy, uh, a very dark comedy with uh, sightseers. Did you see that one? No, I didn't. I think you'll like it. It's about two uh, like a serial killer couple, kind of just chugging along, and killing people, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's really funny too. Um, and he, he made that uh, 
Ballard adaptation, High Rise, which just went over my head. I did not like it at all. Yeah, I was going to ask and, you uh, about that if you'd ever seen that because I, I like the J.G. Ballard book, High Rise, but I never saw the, I didn't, the adaptation. Didn't read it. I never saw the yeah. adaptation. I didn't like it. I, I've only seen it once, and that was about five years ago. I, I would definitely I, – I'm interested in see, revisiting it, seeing if I feel any different. Uh, his recent, most recent movie before this he, it was Rebecca that you can see on Netflix that I was uh, very disappointed in. I did not like it at all. And uh, after this, he's doing The Meg 2. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Uh, like a big shark yeah. movie? Yeah. Did you see The Meg? It's yeah. one of the biggest pieces of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Uh, and when I saw he was attached to the sequel, I was like, what? Um. Oh, and another movie he made that I should mention is Free Fire, which I fucking loved, and and I don't think anyone has seen it. Free Fire. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a another crime movie it takes place in Boston in the seventies. Oh wow! All in one warehouse. I don't know what Boston the seventies is not important to the setting at all, but it takes place in a warehouse where a gun deal goes bad, and that's the entire movie. I think the, the entire movie is in real time. Like, I think it's like a you know under two hour movie and uh it's it's really good it's really funny again like he kind of plays all his, his his dark comedic sensibilities come through really well in that one um but when i heard about this movie we're going to talk about in the earth being kind of more of a return to form like the guy that did kill this the guy that did feel in england i was very intrigued and um well do, do you want to break through the cast first and everything yeah, let's we'll get do into that. it well, yeah, so this, this is a brand, basically a brand new film. It was released on uh, January 29th, 2021 at Sundance. And then uh, the official, uh, I guess the official release was April 16th of this year. Uh, runtime is 107 minutes, which is uh, a, a fairly long film. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little too long. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, the cast... Joel Fry as Martin. We have uh, Elora Torchia as Alma, and they're they're kind of like a, a team. Mm-hmm. Reese Shearsmith as Zach, and Haley Squires as Doctor Olivia Wen- Wendley Wendell. And that's basically the entire cast, really. There's only like basically, I mean, there's other people, like side characters, but it's essentially the story of these four people. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so uh, general thoughts about this. Um, okay. I love the movies. Uh, for me, I, I love the movie's aesthetic. I think it looks great. I think conceptually and visually, it's it's amazing. But the execution just wasn't quite what I wanted. How do you feel? Well, first of all, before seeing the film, just based on the story, I thought it would be really cool. Like it was, it was pretty much yeah. uh, right up my alley as far as like, uh, you know, you know, this the kind of stuff I've recent. Well, you know, I, I enjoy films that have to do with like uh, the connection of the earth and plant material to some other kind of presence or consciousness. Like there's like a psychedelic element to the film. It takes place in the woods. You know, it's like a small cast, like a very small group of actors. It's not like some huge ensemble like film. And um, that kind of stuff really uh, hits all the markers for me, you know. And, yeah, me and, too. Uh, you know, there's like a, maybe like a cosmic element to it, possibly. 
uh, I would say this maybe falls into the realm of weird fiction, possibly, which is also, I'm big on that kind of stuff. There's a connection to like um, a local mythology, um, you know, and that, that stuff's all interesting to me. So I was really excited about this film when I read about it. And also, not being as deep into Ben Wheatley as you are, I definitely appreciate him as a filmmaker. And, um, and then I also read that this addresses the pandemic too, somewhat. Mm. So, so that, I'm like, oh, well, that's, a lot of these things captured my interest, you know, and I wanted, I was interested to see how they pulled all this off. So, yeah, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so I went into this thing really, like I set aside a whole evening. I knew it was long. I had like the right kind of snacks and, you know, <laughs> I had everything laid out to watch this movie when I watched it the first time. And I, I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's get into this. And, um, so yeah, it, it was a, it was definitely a slog at 107 minutes, you know? Yeah. That, that was one of my biggest complaints. It felt like I don't have a problem with a long movie, like, you know, Midsummer, which deals with some similar themes and actually shares one of the stars. Yeah. Um, uh, that movie's two and a half hours long, and it moved really quickly for me. This, you know, much shorter, felt a lot longer. And um, I'll just sort of, right away, like, the, the pandemic thing, it really doesn't play into the movie at all. I agree. Like, it's not part of the plot. You don't really know what is happening in the rest of the world. Like, you don't know how bad this thing is. Uh, you just see people in masks and social distancing and, uh, you know, being tested before you can walk into the uh, an office. All that stuff was great, but they don't really get into it. And it really doesn't uh, affect the movie at all. I think the only reason uh, it was there was just to, you know, make note like, hey, this was made during a global pandemic. I think that... Uh... Like in in the uh, promotional stuff they were talking about, like all the the reading leading up to seeing this film, they 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 sort of underscored that, and it didn't re- like I like you said, it didn't really play into the film, you know. And yeah, yeah, like they're not researching a cure or anything no. like that. He's trying to like uh, find like soil to grow props or something like that. I didn't quite catch what they were <laughs> trying to do out there. Yeah, yeah, it was, and the thing is, um, it could have very they could have very easily connected this pandemic that was happening to the plot of the film, but they just didn't do that, you know? Right, yeah. I, I just thought that was odd. I think you could have not addressed it at all, and the movie would be, um, you know, all, almost pretty much the same. Well, actually, real quick about uh, Wheatley wrote this in, uh, in, mm. fi- in 15 days, apparently. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, this is probably conceived written shot and put out like very very quickly yeah and i that i mean i think that that hurts i I think this movie needed a little bit more time to just sort of like move around in his head a little bit more maybe flesh some things out so essentially the film has to do with um these two science well they're all actually three out of the four people are scientists in this uh the small cast here and uh, Alma and Zach, I'm sorry, Alma and Martin are uh, are mm-hmm. traveling through the woods to uh, 
connect with Olivia Wendell, who's doing research on what you said earlier, like how to, you know, better grow crops. Like there's some vague research that she's doing out in some isolated part of the woods. And uh, what's kind of interesting is, um, and it's like some foreshadowing, uh, when, when uh, Martin shows up at the field office, he sees some artwork, which has to do mm -hmm. with uh, Parneg Feg, which is uh, uh, this local mytho mythological woodland spirit. And, uh, you know, that kind of gives you a, a, a framework under which you can maybe think this film is going. You know, there's like, okay, there's some sort of legend about this part of the country that they're in. Um, you know, Parnig Feg has like a kind of sinister like look about it, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, and uh, Martin, it, it becomes clear that he actually had like a, a relationship with Olivia who's out in the woods. Right. You know, which is like, you know, and his character I found, I found funny. You know what I mean? He's like this kind of city guy, you know, like probably you know, he's like guy who lived I, in I, London, you know, that kind of dude. Yeah, he can't he can't pitch a tent. He's like, what do I know about this? I live in the city. Um, I can't pitch I a tent either, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a fucking thing about camping other than I don't like doing it. Um, yeah, the characters in this movie, I, I wrote down like Martin is kind of a dud. Yeah. Like he, he's just kind of like. I, I don't know if that it, it just wasn't there on the page or it was an acting choice, but like, I, I was like, I don't care about this guy either way. Like what happens to him? Well, he's kind of just like your typical academic, I think in some ways where, um, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, like a, a stereotype of an academic, like city guy, very much not practical. Um, into the theoretical aspect of things. Uh, you know, and Alma, mm. Alma is way more like hands-on. Like she's obviously, uh, you know, a scientist. Like she's, you know, but she's well, more, isn't, more isn't of a practical. Isn't she a forest ranger? Oh, wait, you're right. Yes, sorry about that. She's a forest yeah. ranger, yes. So she's like, uh, okay. yeah, I was, I, completely, I, I was completely wrong about that. But she's like real practical, very hands-on. She knows how to pitch yeah. a tent, you know. The thing I thought was funny was that when, when they mentioned they had the walk through the woods to get to Olivia, and it was like a two-day on-foot trek through the wilderness to get to this person, it's, and Martin is like, like <laughs> oh, yeah, is there another way we can go? <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's the most grounded character in this movie, and... But for a movie that's so dialogue-heavy, these two characters, like, you don't really get to know them. The only thing they really discuss are, like, kind of, like, plot points. Like, there's no world building in this movie. They don't talk about what's happening in the world or they try to get to know each other personally. It's, it's, um, it's, that's just interesting to me in a movie that's so dialogue-heavy. Like, you just don't really know these characters or really kind of care about them very much. Yeah, and, and like I said, they... They definitely made an emphasis on demonstrating the safety measures for uh, like what we all just went through in 2020, you know, with like, you know, wearing a mask, washing your hands. Everything is getting sprayed down with disinfectant. Mm. But that has really has nothing to do with the plot. And also they don't really discuss that in any detail. I mean, they touch yeah. on it, but they don't really. Like, it's almost like an add-on to connect it to, okay, this is taking place in 2020, you know? Right, right. 
Yeah, and at one point they stumble across some bodies in the woods, and I kind of wondered, is or no, they don't uh, bodies of people. They stumble across a tent, and and there there are no bodies, and you wonder if this is a you know pandemic related thing, or you know you, you're not really quite sure because at this point you don't know there's a lunatic roaming the woods. Yeah, you know, and then that basically is what we you know we find out is um, you know he they they set up camp, and uh, what happens is they get attacked in the middle of the night. And uh, they, their shoes get stolen. And uh, so the next day, they're walking around the woods barefoot, which is a... I, I find that kind of just... That was a very harrowing thing for me, man, to walk around barefoot out in the woods. You know, the, that concept. Oh. oh, yeah. And, like, it starts the beginning of what I can only describe as Martin's foot torture. There's so much stuff happens <laughs> to this guy's feet in this fucking movie. <laughs> I'm like, did Tarantino make this? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, I agree. Like when he gets that gnarly cut on his foot, like oh, that really bothered me. Yeah, and like it's funny to think that how you how how far away from nature humans have have like drifted. Really, I mean, you know, you think about hunter gatherer man used to run around. We used to run around naked in the woods with bare feet. You know, like people who yet the idea of walking around through the woods with no shoes on is terrifying to me. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's crazy. It's funny. I, I knew this guy who didn't wore didn't wear shoes for a year. He was like a crusty punk dude. Uh-huh. And I swear to you, you could stab the bottom of his foot and I don't think he would even feel it. That's fucking cool, man. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I want to walk around with bare <laughs> feet, but that's what I mean, man. Like you your body you know, it's crazy how we can adapt to to shit like that. You know what I mean? Right. And it further kind of like demonstrates the point that Martin is like, you know, kind of a, a wimp, a city boy and like, you know, really not cut out for, for the mission he's on. Yeah, totally. You know, and it's like that's that's why I kind of like I, I was interested in his character because he's just kind of like quintessential like city guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he was like he lied saying that he stayed and he was like exercising during the pandemic, you know? And yeah, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, that was like, yeah, a nice touch and maybe like a little bit of Ben Wheatley's humor coming through. And then when, that, like, I guess he wasn't, he didn't know that he was going to have to walk for two days. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, another like, so they, they come across this tent, people are missing. They eventually run into uh, Zach, who is one of the other main characters. And it was kind of interesting to me. Like, well, I didn't quite understand. I was like, why do they trust this guy? I right away. I wouldn't have trusted this motherfucker, man. Oh, look at him. Yeah, he, he looks like he was in, like, Jethro Tull or something. You know what I mean? He had this, like, long hair. <laughs> the beard. Player, yeah. Yeah, like, he's like Ian, Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, maybe. <laughs> and he just appears yeah. out of nowhere, conveniently. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, they didn't put it together. Like, oh, there's a tent with no people in it. They clearly signs that they had children. Yeah, and this guy shows up. He gives them food. He gives them shoes. You know, they don't think where do these shoes come from. Um, well, the the or, big the big no no, which my mother taught my mother taught me this when I was a kid is you know if someone offers you something don't fucking take it, man. You're a strange some stranger offers you. Oh yeah, I made this uh, you know concoction out of like local plant petals. Oh yeah, have some. Cheers. Drink it. You know. Like, of course, he's fucking <laughs> drugged, man. Yeah, and he, you realize, uh, clearly, I guess, before the, the, the characters do that, that, this guy has nefarious plans for them. And um, 
it's interesting. They only really touched upon the pagan elements in the, in, in the beginning of the movie. It's almost blink and you'll miss it. And it becomes a huge, from here on out, becomes the, the, a big part of the plot. Well, it does. And uh, I, I kind of wish they had dug deeper into it, though, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, it, it's, it was such a, like, an interesting plot point. But uh, it doesn't get developed fully, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm not really sure what Zach's ultimate plan is. He doesn't offer a sacrifice. He, he takes these photos for his, his, um, his god, uh, Parang Feg. Parang Feg. Like he, yeah, yeah he, he arranged And I, I got to say, that's one of the creepier parts of the movie is the gowns he puts them in, the positions he puts them in for, for his photos are very unsettling. You know, I mean, once again, uh, you know, I, I know I did this on the Army of the Dead episode, but like, <laughs> if I had written the the script for this, <laughs> it's like, I, I would have Mike's had rewrites. Yeah, I would have the the whole photograph thing would have been a great way of telling the story of Parnig Feg by by posing these people and these different like it could have been like like some kind of narrative about the mythology of like what the fuck his mm. belief system is, you know. And, and it doesn't really, it, it, like, yeah, they were creepy, for sure. Like, the idea of being drugged, right, and then unconscious, and then some guy posing you in these weird positions with, like, these, like, visqueen plastic fucking capes on and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Totally creepy. And then you see a photograph, and you're like, what else did you do to me while I was, like, unconscious, you know? Right, yeah, like... But, like, you never really get to, like, what was his ultimate goal? I mean, eventually he was going to kill them, but he needed to take photos of them for a few days first, I guess. Um, and then there's one of the, you know, people I've talked to who saw this before me, like, oh, there's a scene, there's a scene, you were like, you know, it's, it's, it's fucking amazing. I, I, they must be referring to this scene, is when he cuts off Martin's toes. Actually, um, uh, I, I, I have a note. I have some notes about that scene. I don't think oh, I, well, I, it's not. I, I would him. say it's amazing. It was funny, and in, in, in like yeah, almost, I agree. in almost a Monty Python way. Yeah, like this is again. I was like, this is like Ben Wheatley putting a stamp on this scene. Is is horrific and and comical at the same time. But it reminded me of Monty Python. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh no, I don't, I don't think that's necessary. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, I'll take it. You know, it's just the whole aspect of it of like how he's like, okay, now we're gonna do it for real. Like, I don't right. know the whole, the no, whole. No, we're not. Yes, you are. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's very like Monty, Monty Python is. It's, it's like a total nod to Monty Python. You know what I mean? And I thought that I was did not awesome. pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> but you see it now, though, right? Oh, absolutely. But I, I just question the logic. You know, why do you need to cut his toes off when his foot was infected? Once again, I think that 15 days is probably not enough time to fully develop like a, uh, you know, a, a, a screenplay maybe, you know? Right. Like he had no interest in helping these people. So if I even like I thought maybe the toes were going to come back into play. It's sort of like if your arm was affected, uh, infected, and you cut off your fingers. Like it really doesn't doesn't help the situation much. Well, that that's that's a hundred percent right. I mean, you know, the nature of infection. It's like if his foot was infected, it would have already gotten into his bloodstream by then. You know. 
Yeah, and this is only like halfway through, like the damage this guy's fucking foot goes through. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) totally, man. (laughs) Yeah, they just just fucking torture this poor guy throughout the movie. Um, anyway, they realize they're fucked if they don't get free and and leave. And and about an hour, so we're an hour into the movie, they escape. They, um, they they hit uh, Zach over the head. He's got a nasty head wound, which is one of the better effects of the movie. Like. He, he like it randomly gushes blood for the like remainder of the movie, um, but uh, it, it sort of switches from uh, okay. So now they're with Zach and they run into uh, the person they're trying to find, the doctor Olivia. Yeah, Olivia. Yeah, and so the movie kind of switches. Now they're on in her camp, and this time, like um, you know, Martin seems to trust her, but. Um, you know, right away, uh, Alma is is not down with what's happening. She wants to get the fuck out of the woods. Well, well, what she's doing is is like this. This is another part I thought was funny. And it was like she's got like all this electronic like music musical equipment out there. He's like you know tone generators and shit. It's like she's in yeah, yeah. You know, she's in like throbbing gristle or something like out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, not only is she, is she a scientist, but she's a pretty decent ambient artist. <laughs> she's like, try to using sound and color to commu- to communicate with, uh, you know, this this um, nature presence. This like, you know, and this and once again, man, this is like interesting shit. And it just, this is where the film could have really taken off, in my opinion. Totally. You know I mean? Yeah, like, I like, agree. Like really like personifying some kind of, you know, arcane, like, presence in the woods. You know what I mean? Like, like, Parneg Feg, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, um, and again, like, this, the sound of this movie is one of the things I really, like, really loved about it. And Yeah. It's really amplified in this section of the movie. Like, I wrote down, like, this movie sounds like a Coil album. Like, the music by Clint Mansell is fantastic. Right. And, yeah. and um, you know, yeah, you do get that weird glimpse where where Martin's like looking in the woods and like there's someone out there and you see this sort of stick figure of uh, of Parneg, you know, and that that's like I was like, oh wow, that's fucking great imagery, but um, that's really the only glimpse you get at get at this. Yeah, this you know, exactly. And I, it's almost like you know who who should have written this fucking story is Alan Moore, man. Oh, that's your guy, man. Yeah. Well. I love Alan Moore, but he would be the perfect guy to write a story like this, man. I mean, think about all the work he did with Swamp Thing and all that in the 90s. And, you know, he's like a weird fiction guy. I mean, it would have been this. I was like hoping for something like that when I when I got into this film. You know what I mean? He kind of he kind of looks like Zach, too. (laughs) Yeah, actually, like Zach looks like a a well up. a well manicured Alan Moore. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because Alan a Moore is too like too well manicured. Yeah, Alan Alan Moore is like a real wild looking dude. Yeah, he looks like a it. warlock or something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I also mentioned that was like Zach's beard is too well trimmed for somebody who's been living in the woods for like a year. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know. Um, um, so yeah, this was the moment where the film really could have kicked into overdrive and like really connected with me but it just didn't i guess you know yeah it kind of ramps up the psychedelic aspects of the film there's like two 
scenes uh, that are pretty psychedelic. One where, where Zach chases uh, Martin through the woods. Things get a little weird. And then when Alma tries to leave the woods. Yeah. And there are interesting themes going on here in the movie that, like, the woods called everyone there to her. Like, um, uh, three of the four characters had ringworm. Because they mentioned real briefly in the beginning of the movie that Martin had ringworm. And he goes, yeah, I don't know where that came from. That co- actually comes back. Yeah. And uh, Zach and the doctor also had it. Um, and they mentioned that, you know, Martin wants to go there because he, he couldn't stop thinking about the doctor. Zach, who we learn, is the ex-husband of the doctor. And he went to the woods for her. So that it's really interesting that they all felt like they were called there by this. Or, or hints that they were all there. They were called there by this, by this thing. Like, they wanted them there. And it won't let them leave. Yeah, and this is where I lost interest in the movie, honestly. <laughs> I got to be completely <laughs> honest. All right, great. You guys are all here. Now what? And it's like, not, I don't want to give away the entire film. You know, I definitely don't want sure. to spoil it. I want people to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy the film on their own and come up with their own ideas. But... Yeah, I don't know, man. This is where it just was like, okay, great. It's like a half-baked idea. And I mean, the I, the concept of the movie is great. I just would have, yeah. I, I would throw out the entire fucking narrative and rewrite it, honestly, man. Yeah, like, it, like I said, visually and conceptually, like, it, it, it's such a great idea. It looks beautiful. It's a, you know, Ben Wheatley, you know, has never made an ugly film. You know, and it just seems like you like you said a little half baked. Like the, I guess you can say the ending is somewhat um, open, uh, somewhat open to interpretation. Right. Um, this movie needed a, a movie this long and this slow. Really needed like a real like big moment, and it really doesn't have it. I agree. Yeah, I mean. We've been, you've been with these people for 107 minutes and there really is no kind of, um, I mean, it's an anti-climax, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's, um, if you're going to invest that much time and do a film, I think I needed more than what the film provided, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I kind of expected like this just big banger of an ending and you just don't get it. it it's cool. It's, you know, like a psychedelic, if it's that aesthetic, but it just really like when it ended, I was just like, Hmm, you know, I was kind of on the fence throughout this whole movie. I'm like, do I like this? Or like, Oh, I really like this. Like, ah, do I, <laughs> you know? And then those end credits are great. Like again, aesthetically, this movie is fantastic. Yeah. Like uh, even, even the end credits are like kind of cool and retro, even the way it begins with the title in the earth with a copyright underneath it. I mm-hmm. thought that was a nice touch, a little yeah. nod to the 70s. But it didn't come together 100% for me. I think it's, I don't want to say a swing and a miss, but it's just not, it's not quite what I wanted to be where, you know, when Kill List ends, like you're just devastated. Like it's just such well-realized film. And this just isn't that. I mean, would, would, what sort of sense are you on with this? Did, were you like, I liked it, but, or like, I didn't like it, but. Um, I'm going to say that I, I'm on the didn't like it side of the fence. Uh, but 
<laughs> it does it does look great. It's an excellently produced film. The the score is is amazing. I think I'm probably going to buy the score on when it comes out, you know. I'm sure I just someone, downloaded it on the Apple Music. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably I mean if there's like a vinyl release, I'll probably Oh know, yeah, for sure. I imagine there's going to be this like sick vinyl release of it. Um yeah, I'll I'll get the score. Um it looks awesome. You know, maybe maybe I'll I'll like watch the film again with the volume down and the score playing throughout and then mm. you know maybe eat like edibles and stuff and maybe that's the yeah. way that's a, probably a really good way to watch the film is like high you know i was thinking the same thing i was like i wish i was still like a pot smoker i think this movie would be 10 times better yeah uh you know but um yeah like i said it just didn't it didn't deliver the the goods the way that I was hoping for, for it, you know, I mean, it's mm. um, like, this seems like a, like a viable, uh, like this is like a new emerging sort of subgenre and horror, you know, and, and there's been a lot of cool stuff happening within this space. I mean, there's movies like Seder, you know, the pond, um, you know, there's another film coming out called Gaia, which people are saying is like, I've been reading about that, you know, and it's kind of like a ecological, you know, pagan, whatever sort of film. Yeah, and, there's something else coming out too from director Scott Cooper, who made uh, Out of the Furnace and Crazy Heart, and um, uh, fuck, what was that movie called? He works with Christian Bale a lot. Anyway, he's doing like a sort of like wood creature horror movie that got delayed. That's coming out this year. I can't remember the name of it, but I, he's an interesting director, and I'm glad he's kind of tackling the horror genre. I just think that maybe if he'd spent more time writing the script that it probably would have, some of these things would have been, would have been more realized, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. But that said, I think if I got to give this a, a rating, I would give it four flaming skulls. Oh man. I give it, uh, I give it three. Yeah. I was kind of there, but like, I, I find the movie like turning over and over in my head. Like it didn't, I haven't like forgotten about it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's still with me. There's moments that I still think about and it's just such a gorgeous movie. And the score is just so great. Like uh, I'll go four. I'm going to see this again for sure. I don't know if I'll get anything more out of it, but I, I'll, I'll watch this again. I watched no question. it. I watched it twice. Actually. I saw it when it came out and I was like, Oh, cool. yeah. Well, that's, that's the night that I had all the snacks and everything, you know, ready to go and then i watched it again last night yesterday actually and i was like oh yeah oh oh yeah yeah that's why i was checking my phone after halfway through the film and um yeah i don't yeah. I, I that's probably it for me man i'll probably uh probably will never probably won't watch this again unless i for some reason there's a, a reason to watch it you know mm. yeah i hear it I can see this being a very uh, divisive movie. My friend that uh, saw it in the theater hated it. <laughs> so, yeah, seeing it in the theater might be cool. I mean, that might be another reason to see it. It's like what a big format like that, you know? Yeah, I would have loved to have watched this on like a huge sound, like blaring like <laughs> speakers. Um, that would that would have been great. But yeah, and I mean, I'm curious to see what Ben Wheatley does with the Meg Two. <laughs> Man, that's I, I, that's like a real, wow. I don't know, man. That's like, what's is he gonna do like a Transformers movie after that? You know, it's like what yeah. else? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think he just seems like someone who wants to tackle a lot of things and maybe like, you know, the idea of playing with like, you know, millions and millions of dollars like appealed to him. And like maybe he thinks he can bring something to the giant shark genre. Uh, that that I is a sub. That is definitely a genre, <laughs> man. You know, I was uh, really hoping the Meg was going to be good or at least fun, and it was neither of those things. I hated it. Um, so yeah, let's. Uh, I'm curious to see what he brings uh, brings to the table there. Yeah, you know, I I uh, once again, I, I recommend people see it. You know, for sure. sure, it's not it's not one of these things where I'm like, Def- you know, this is terrible. Don't see it. You know, but it's. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just didn't really, I, did, I didn't fancy this movie. Oh, we forgot yeah. to mention the, the further torture that happens to Martin at the, um, at, at Olivia's encampment. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He, get, <laughs> like he, he gets his, uh, you know, his wound cauterized. And again, you like the way he reacts to all this is very like, I don't think you need to do that. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh no, I don't think we do. You know, he's very like nonchalant. Like if someone was coming at me with a fucking, burning hot iron to cauterize my toes i'd be losing my mind yeah and once again it, it has that monty python flavor like that whole thing you know yeah no definitely yeah what else happens so yeah he i think that's all i got he gets kicked in the face after that <laughs> like, just a flesh wound you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah poor martin he's kind of a dud and he gets his foot fucked with for you know um almost two hours yeah i i yeah, there's that definitely. There's like some pretty pretty good like dark humor in there, you know, which is cool. So yeah, yeah, I uh, I think we kind of agree on this movie, but we just kind of you know not exactly we don't exactly totally feel the same about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, it's not it's it a, th- a three might be a little strong, but like I said, I'm standing behind the three because I probably I don't really have any desire to see it again for at least for a while. Mm. You know. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I'm standing behind my four. Cool. Uh, but I wanted it to be a five. I wanted and it to be a five, too, man. When I saw what it was about, and I was like, man, this is like going to be fucking great. you know. And I just didn't really deliver for me. I hear you. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, maybe the next one will. Yeah, the Meg 2, maybe. will. The uh, Meg 2, yeah. Maybe that'll be great, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be so good, it'll go on to do the Meg 3. <laughs> <laughs> And that'll be fucking, yeah, like you said, making Star Wars movies or some dumb shit like that. Yeah, man. He'll do, he'll do a, um, a Saw Spiral 2 or something, you know? Yeah, they'll get some other comedian who has, like, a hot take on it, like, fucking, I don't know, like, I don't know, John Lovitz or something. John Lovitz, <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or uh, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's it, guys. Uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed this episode. 